you have employees that see meaning in their work life that can give their most, then the customers really feel that because our products will be much more innovative and, and our customers really become evangelists. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another great episode of the Final Podcast. I'm not saying great because I am on the podcast. I'm saying it great because we have a Second time guest on the podcast, someone I really admire. And if I just go through the history, I think people would know why. But he's been the CEO of Steelbrick that got acquired by Salesforce, then CEO of Big Machines before that, that got acquired by Oracle. And now he's the co-founder CEO of G2 Crowd, which is doing incredible things. Great partners. Love, love, love the way they are restating, I think it's the new referral, as, as I like to call it a lot of times, is how people find great softwares, great products, great things. So I love the company. I love the model. But beyond that, I love the people at, at this company. So I just want to invite and then and, and wanted to have great conversation with the Godard. So Godard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sangram. Great to be back with you. Yeah, it is so cool. It is so cool. So I know, you know, I was reading one of your, as you kind of took on the CEO role, at Juju Crowd, I, I was reading through some of the press releases, and I never realized this until I read it. And I wonder if how accurate I read it in that is like, well, you obviously have been able to lead phenomenal teams, and we're going to talk about the role of a leader as you scale businesses. But I feel like that's really, really what what you have done. Uh, just outside looking in, uh, the one thing I didn't realize was that none of these companies that you ran so beautifully and had, and had massive success, but none of them were the ones that you yourself took public. And maybe that is that is kind of your next frontier as you think about maybe G2 Crowd or anything else you start. Did I catch it the right way? Yes. You know, prior companies have been acquired and obviously good outcomes, but as an entrepreneur, it's still an unfulfilled dream someday to really be able to ring the bell. Oh man, I, I love that. So- so I know, you know, when we talk about leadership, the first time we were on the podcast, we talked about like, what is it that's important from a leadership perspective? And, and you kind of really crystallized it into three P's and two A's. And I love for everybody to go back and listen to that episode. And I'll have details in the show notes, the number and everything. And today, I just wanted to pick your brain on this topic of what is the role of a leader as you scale your business? And as I shared right before we started to record, I just finished interviewing Brian Halligan, who's a, as most people know, uh, he's a co-founder and CEO of HubSpot. And, you know, obviously they have done really well and has grown and gone, gone public in that sense as well in the last 12 years. And he, they continue to do. And one of the things he said that was really interesting to me to, to break this off was, was like, hey, look, starting anything right now couldn't be more easy. Starting is super easy. What's really, really hard is to scale. And, and I think it, it really kind of crystallized the point for me in my mind is like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, you can start a company like sitting in your bedroom right now in like 10 minutes, but scaling is a completely different animal. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree with Brian. And I, I remember I started my first company, Big Machines, back in 1999, you know, at the tail end of the dot-com era 20 years ago. 
And back then, it was hard to start. Because I remember, you know, we had, back then we had to buy servers and we had to raise millions of dollars just to get our apps spun up. And obviously now with all these amazing clouds, AWS, Google, Azure, you can really spin up an app or any idea literally within minutes, right? At almost no cost. But I think you're right, or Brian's right, certainly there's so much noise now. And in MarTech, and I know you're in that world, right? There's a MarTech 5000. We're on G2 Crowd now. It's amazing. There's over 70,000 different business applications listed. Wow. And so, you know, I think the challenge now for every entrepreneur is not, yes, you can get started, but how do you break through the noise? Mm. And every category, and, you know, we talked about MarTech, right? There's just 5,000 just marketing apps. And how do you get the CMO's attention? And, and I think that is super hard, right? And everyone now knows the same playbooks. Everyone's <laughs> trying to do content marketing. Everyone's using HubSpot, creating amazing blogs, amazing content. But, but how do you get the world to know about your amazing technology? And, and then how do you scale the business? And I think what is, I think one of the key things, and I think we both know uh, Tim Kopp. Yeah. He comes to mind, you know, obviously brilliant CMO at Exact Target, now an investor in both our companies. But I think one of the things, and it's top of mind for me right now, really, that I think Tim talks about and a lot of companies are doing is brand. And really using brand as a weapon to scale. And it's very top of mind for me right now because our CMO, Ryan Bonich, who actually joined us from HubSpot. So got to learn a lot from Brian Halligan. And then my last experience also at Salesforce, which had acquired my company, Steelbrick, and I got to work on Mark's extended leadership team. But really also seeing you know, Salesforce, the amazing brand they've built. And I think that's, for me right now, I really believe the key to scale our current company, to go to the next level. We've had a lot of success scaling in the sense, you know, we're up to 250 people now, but this time we do want to go all the way and ring the bell. And, and I really think creating a memorable brand and, and I think a brand has to be real. And one, you know, I think emerging startup that comes to mind is Drift. Yeah. I think they're doing an amazing job with this, right? Where they're really, they've already built a brand and almost somehow did that from day one. Yeah. And, and like you, right, creating a new category around conversational marketing, but also immediately creating this brand that people, you know, just want to be a part of. And, and I think that's really also my goal at G2 and what I saw with Mark Benioff at Salesforce, right? People, people still come to Dreamforce and it's a massive company now, but people still want to be a part of it. Whether you're a customer, you're an employee, you're an investor, you want to be a part of that company. You want to be associated with the brand. So I think to really, especially to build a meaningful public company, I think you really, that's what you really have to emphasize or really, really have to build a unique brand that will stand out. That's authentic. And, you know, that, that allows people to discover you and to really know what you're all about. Totally. I, I love Drift uh, as well. Like I think, and, and I wonder if brand is, you know, almost equal to people to, until a certain stage. And then the brand has to evolve beyond uh, the couple of personalities that stay with the brand to create that brand because people follow people before people follow brand in this, especially the context that we're talking about. I wonder when the tip changes to like, okay, which people are not following their brand just because of those people. It actually has now gotten infused into everything they do in the way they roll out products, in the way they roll out their marketing stuff, their sales stuff, the way they have their customer experience. So it's not just a couple of folks just trying to be out there talking about their brand. It's really more of how they operate their brand as, as an entire ecosystem that rotates around that. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. No, I think you're exactly right, Sangram. And again, going back to Salesforce, certainly the brand and the company started with Mark Benioff, and he's still the giant you know, visionary behind the company. But I think the reason he's had success is now he's gotten over 30,000 employees to also really live and value the brand. And 
obviously invested a lot, you know, through events like Dreamforce and all the marketing they're now doing to really but get that brand out there. But it's also a differentiated brand. And I think also, you know, while I was at Salesforce, I think that's always what, you know, Mark and the team are thinking about. How do, how can we be different? You know, how can we be different? In their case, they're competing with SAP, with Oracle, with Microsoft Enterprise Giants. But you know, what makes Salesforce different? And I think that's where they're always very innovative. They keep evolving the brand. You know, now they have trailblazers and you know, yeah. and it's insights and it's furry creatures. And but I remember while I was at Salesforce, you know, they were Mark was coming up with that. And really the idea was, hey, this is something Oracle would never do. Right. Like mm-hmm. this is a very authentic story about how we create trailblazers, how we help our customers, our employees get to the next level in their career, and really creating an authentic, different story. And it has to ring true to you. And I think you said earlier, you know, people or brand more important. And I think really to be successful, that's we one and the same. And that's also, I think, what Tim Kopp talked about with the exact target. Everything became orange. Yeah. That was their theme. But he said one of his biggest partners where he actually started was their leader of HR or employee success. Because really, it, it all starts with the day a new employee joins. And actually, I'm sitting in a conference room here filled with new G2 vests. And, you know, we'll be launching new brand, new logo, new colors. But also, we've hired a new head of employee success, Stacey Carlone. And mm-hmm. she'll be Ryan, our CMO's most important partner rolling out the brand because we want that brand experience to start day one. And it'll very much be in the training. We're also redefining our culture and as part of redefining our brand. And I think you and I talked about the three P's and two A's. I think an amazing framework. But I think Ryan and I have also worked, we're really going to be part of our rebrand is what we're calling our peak culture. Mm. Peak was a framework that I discovered via Chip Conley, the founder of Joie de Vivre. You know, very built a very successful boutique hotel chain in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And you know, he did that, I don't know, 15, 20 years, great entrepreneur. And then I think he during that journey, he really discovered his real passion was also teaching others how you create differentiated cultures, how you create meaning for your employees in their life. So that ultimately creates that differentiated customer experience. But he also came up with this whole framework. He called it peak applying Maslow's hierarchy of needs to building a business and really thought about it very systemically. And what it does mean for employees and for any brand, what he talks about is, you know, any job, and he had this particular challenge in hotel chain, but the, our job in technology is pretty easy. You know, generally speaking, all our employees are very well taken care of, right? Like whether you're working at Terminus or G2 Crowd or Salesforce, these are all great jobs all in the greater scheme of the world, right? They pay pretty well. You know, you get snacks, you get Patagonia vests, right? We all do a lot to take care of our employees, certainly basic needs. And, uh, but his challenge was even harder because he had maids that were, you know, scrubbing floors, cleaning toilets, and how do you give them meaning in their life? But what he discovered is he could really connect them to the mission of Joie de Vivre, which was giving their guests a home away from home. And he really got to connect to, oh, this is a lonely business traveler. Sangram isn't going to see his friends or family for two weeks. He's out on the road. You know, how do we make sure he feels at home in our hotel? And that really, you know, creates a better world because the traveler is going to have a better experience. They're going to really enjoy their two weeks. And he really got his whole team to connect to that, even though he couldn't offer, frankly, that much pay. He couldn't offer you know, free lattes and all the things we do in tech, but he still allowed these employees to find meaning in their work. And, and really, I think that's, that's very much our goal, our aspiration. And that's why I really am building another company, because I discovered, I took a break between my first two companies and I had a few months off, but I remember after a while, I just felt depressed. And it was, you know, I'd gotten beyond the point of where I was just tired and maybe burned out for my first venture. But I really, when I really reflected, I'm like, wow, I really miss building companies. 
I missed the grind. I missed my team. I missed the purpose. And so then when I went back to build my second and now my third company, really have gone back to it with a whole new perspective that, wow, this does really give me meaning in my life. And so even, you know, when you have those, you know, four hour flight delays, I, this Sunday I was coming up to just go to Chicago and I think we had a, a five hour delay and you don't get until three in the morning and you, know, you only get to sleep three hours before you go back to work. Ultimately, now I always remember that. I'm like, no, I chose to do this. This is my purpose. And so I can come in Monday morning and feel excited about what we're building here. And, and really my goal now and our goal at G2 with the P culture is that we give every employee that experience. But very much just like Chip, it's not just about the employee. The goal is ultimately the customer. And But I think if you have employees that see meaning in their work life that can give their most, then the customers really feel that because our products will be much more innovative and, and our customers really become evangelists. And uh, and that's where I think with this peak framework, big part of our brand will behave. Big part of the brand is the culture, but it is our people. Our people have to feel it. We have to teach them. They have to live it. And so it all has to be integrated, right? Where your people are your brand, your people live your brand. And while it starts with the founder, it starts with the CEO, it has to go, the whole team has to feel it, live it, and be it. And that's ultimately how you have that impact. And you create a great brand and you can scale, you can break through the noise. I love that. Can you, you, like now I'm very curious about the peak culture. Can you just share, like, what does it stand for? Or like maybe the core elements of that? Yes. And peak, like I said, is inspired by Chip, but we've evolved it, you know, where it is a monomic, so each letter means something. And, you know, the, the P stands for performance because, you know, ultimately, I think to, to live at the peak, right, I think we all love to win in our lives. We love to win at work. We want to be growing. And ultimately, that does start with performance. The, the E is excellence. Okay. And I think very similar, you know, we want to be part of a winner, but we want to work at a company like Apple, right? And I always ask my team, hey, are you really proud of your work? I mean, is this really excellent? Would you be excited to show this new webpage to your friends? Would you be excited you know, that you know, this tweet or this campaign? I mean, is it really excellent, right? Are you really proud of it? And those are kind of the first two pillars. Those are really more about you know, achieving and a success. That's the P and the E. And then the A and the K are more, the A is the authenticity. And we talked about that last time, right? But I also think to me, it's just how I want to live my life and not just at work, but with my family, with my friends. And it's easy to say, right? And there's different ways to say it, you know, be real, be authentic. But, but I think really digging into your heart and, and really speaking from the soul, from a place of inarguable truth, to me, it just makes my life much more joyous, feel much more easier. But I also think ultimately it makes the company more successful because you speak the unspoken. And, you know, I think we've all been to a lot of corporate meetings where, you know, everyone knows there's some elephant in the room, there's some big issue, but no one wants to say it they're afraid you know it's going to hurt somebody or going to make them look bad and i think if you can really have an authentic culture then people can really voice their concerns they can speak the unspoken and the company can make much better much faster progress although sometimes it's uncomfortable but it does and i think also the employees will trust you more the team will trust you when you're authentic and they know what you say comes from the heart and and they can totally agree with that right i mean if uh, i think those uncomfortable moments that that i feel like we all need to have and we all probably you know cringe a little bit but those are the moments is on just on the other side of that uncomfortable moment i feel like that's where the growth is for individuals for our team and as 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 i've learned uh, and still clearly not nowhere close to where i want to be or where i should be but i feel like the more i have embraced that that uncomfortable conversation the better my relationships have been at work and even in personal life because 
you, to your point, there's always this elephant in the room and nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to poke the bear, like whatever phrase you want to use. And as soon as you poke it, there is that weird moment where it's almost like a weight is lifted off people's shoulder. Like, okay, now we can talk about this thing because somebody broke the ice here. And then you go through this maybe a, a five minutes, maybe a day, maybe a week, or maybe a month, whatever, depending upon how big that uncomfortable thing is that you need to go through. But when you go through it on the other side, I've always, always found phenomenal growth, phenomenal friend, phenomenal relationship, just waiting to be embraced. Yes. And, uh, and I think it's something I, and I think we as a team are always striving for. And then I think the, you know, the, the K in peak is kindness. <laughs> Love and, that. and that to me is about heart. Yeah. And, and genuinely, you know, bringing care to work, you know, really genuinely caring for our team genuinely caring for our customers, our partners, our investors. And, and I think people just feel that in the company or they, in some cases they feel the lack of it. But I think with a great company, you feel like, oh, wow, you know, whenever my goal is everyone, I speak to someone from G2, even if I'm having a challenge, I'm an angry customer. Once I get a hold of a human at G2, oh, wow, they really care. You know, they may not be able to immediately solve my problem, but they care and they're compassionate and they'll work with me to find a solution. And, and I want our employees to feel the same way, you know, because we all have challenges in our careers and our jobs. You know, we may lose a deal. Things aren't going the way we can't push the, the web page the way a designer wants. And we can't always solve that problem and give the person exactly what they want. But I think if they feel like I and we genuinely care about them, then they will feel closer to the organization. And so that's that's the K and peak. And also what's interesting in Chip's framework, he has a great visualization of the, the peak and Maslow's hierarchy but the center of it is a big red heart. And that to me is really that kindness and that caring. And that's what powers, I think, the whole company. And ultimately, that's also the brand that, you know, that's what I want people to think about when they think about G2. Oh, wow, this is a winning company. It performs, it delivers excellent product, but it's also very authentic and they're very kind and they will take care of me. And if we can achieve that, you know, then I think we've really made the world better. And I believe we'll really succeed. I love that, man. I love that. I'm so glad we're talking about the this idea because we, I, I think most companies, we, I think every leader goes through a phase of figuring out the, their purpose and what it is. And I think we all are always trying to figure out, well, what is it? What is it that I liked? What is it that worked for me? What is it that, that actually made me drive harder and faster or made me happy? And I feel like having something like this, if there's nothing else, uh, that people can you know get out of this thing. I think this is a really, really big takeaway is that find something that you personally care about. And in your case, having built successful companies, it's not about the money. Obviously, it is it is much more than that. And I think what you found, you're real personal and you were able to tie this to the business now and thereby to the lives of everybody who's working at G2 Crowd, but also everybody that connects with your brand. You're, you're bringing your personal life and importance of certain things that you care about in your business, which I feel very few people do and, and try to keep it so separate, so detached as if it is a distant thing from you. I feel like real success and real happiness really comes from when you really blend that together. And I'm not talking about work-life balance, but I'm really talking about like work-life interconnectivity yeah. that drives like real conversations inside the company and outside the company. And my, there's something else from my guru, Jim Dethmer. He's a, he's created this conscious leadership movement and you can look him up. He has a whole organization now, Conscious Leadership. 
But but he always says the key is integration. And I think balance, especially as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, and you know, you know, you founded the company, balance is Hard. arguably in a mathematical sense, it's impossible well, because you won't balance your hours according to some formula. But I think if you can have integration, like you said, right, you bring your soul and spirit into your work. And the other thing I believe we at Jim, even with my family, even when they're not here in the room with me, I can still be spiritually connected to them. Right. And, and so I can be integrated. And one of the wonderful things also, one way to integrate, you know, we just had an amazing holiday party here at G2 Crowd, which I loved for many reasons. You know, we had uh, 250 employees. We flew everyone in from around the world. We had, you know, probably 150 significant others. And A, just standing up and, you know, I kind of prepared what I'm going to say, but I was kind of wowed, like, you know, the team had doubled. I, you know, I'm like, wow, there's 400 people here. I was myself, I was like, wow, this is it kind of, <laughs> you get those moments where like, oh, wow, we're, we are really building something. But then I think one of the most important things to me, my wife actually, and we're, my primary office is in San Francisco, but I'm out in Chicago every other week now. And, uh, but, you know, but she came out with me to Chicago and just having her there, yeah. and also having her feel it. And, you know, and she was part of the story I told and my, my kids. And but I think really integrating it, being open, I do find it just gives me a lot more joy in my work. And, and I think it makes it easier to be authentic also for the team because it allows them, you know, if I'm willing to show my whole self, it allows them to connect with me more, allows me to connect with them more. And so I think that is very much my purpose now is weaving this peak culture into, and it's really, it's my own life, but it's also the company's life. And one cool thing that we did is we had a leadership offsite in December where, you know, we brought in a conscious leadership coach for a day and, and she was amazing. But we also discoursed our culture and we talked about the definition and we had, I think, also a healthy debate. You know, so I have four co-founders and, and I was evolving the definition of our culture, although we started with the idea of Peak and Chip Conley way back in 2012. We all read the book and we were inspired by that, but we defined our culture a bit differently. You know, we have these eight mantras, which are also wonderful. And I just felt now that we're going to rebrand, we really try to scale, wanted to you know, kind of evolve how we define it. And, but it can be emotional, as you can imagine, right? And you've got co-founders and when you want to change something. And, but I think we had really good discourse and now everyone is aligned behind it. Yeah. And, you know, so as we roll out the brand and the big part of the brand is the culture, I think everyone is really also going to be on board with it. And, and that is actually one of our mantras is discourse it. Mm. And, it, and that, and we, what we did is we tied our eight founding mantras into these now four values with peak. But you know, the nice thing about discourse that that fits hundred percent in with authenticity because, and that's really what authenticity about, right? It's easy to kind of agree and nod. Or like, you know, if I walk into the room, I'm the CEO, okay, the people are going to nod, oh, Godard, you're brilliant because you're the CEO, right? But that's not authentic. You know, yeah. Authentic is some junior person telling me like, hey, this this new orange color you want to go with for the brand, I hate it, right? It's bright and shining, hurts my eyes. Yeah. Okay. We're having discourse, now we're being authentic. <laughs> and, and it does also remind me, I think there's a great Bezos, Amazon, he has his great leadership principles, but one of them is disagree and commit. And but without authenticity, you can't have that. Right. Ultimately, what he means there, and I'd say the same thing about discourse, ultimately the company has to be aligned. And Elon Musk talks about the vector alignment of the company, right? Ultimately the, the team has to go in one direction, and we may not all agree on the direction. And that's where discourse it or disagreeing commit comes in. Hey, verbalize your discomfort, your disagreements. And so then you as a leader can incorporate that, right? But ultimately, even if we can't hundred percent convince you it's the right path, we need you to align, right? Because the company, we have to do this together. And, and those are sometimes contradictory forces. And I'm sure you, you feel it stronger when your company is a co-founder, right? Where you want to acknowledge all the different opinions, but ultimately you and your co-founders 
you have to set one direction for the company. But I think having these values, having that authenticity, and then doing it in a kind way so that people don't feel like, oh, I, you know, you just ran them over because you're a co-founder, but they feel like they were heard, they understand the rationale, and then they're going to get on board. And then you really have, not only do you have one direction, but you have everyone's energy flowing in that direction. Totally. I think that is so important. You know, there are two things that come to mind as you talk through it. And I think it's very natural of me to typically inject my thoughts, but I was literally taking a ton of notes as you were talking through it. And I feel like there are two big things that come out to me straight up of all the things that you just talked about. First of all, I feel like by making it shorter and making it to a point where now it's, okay, what what, what does our culture look like? What it should be? And, and everybody can say in one word, like peak. And even, even beyond that, people can now remember. And if you can make it, make it like memorable, I think it is repeatable. And if it is memorable and if it's repeatable, as, as Andy Stanley, one of the folks, the leadership podcast person I listen to, he says, then it is portable. So if it's memorable, if it's repeatable and it's portable, then you actually have achieved probably one of the hardest things to do, which is getting the message through in and out. And you don't have to worry about, well, is it on the wall? Is it on the printout? Is, are people listening? No, people would just naturally use that. So I think taking from eight to going to four and making it literally a word that people can remember, repeat, and port everywhere they go in the conversation. And they're having in either Chicago or San Francisco or anywhere globally. I think it's, it's a phenomenal accomplishment in itself. And the second thing I feel God, that, that I think you and the teams through your leadership discourse conversation has done, I feel, and it's something that you probably already feel it, but I, I totally felt it as you were talking through it, is that you have almost given permission now to everybody in the company to have a healthy debate and healthy discourse on things that are matter to them and important. And it's so interesting that you talked about Jeff Bezos because it's funny, Brian Halligan talked about it. I somehow ended up in the holidays, ended up reading all of his shareholder letters from 1997 to 2017, where he talks about day one, dis- disagree, commit, uh, what it means to be day two and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's funny, we all are kind of reading, uh, have picking up from some similar sources over here. And I feel like all of that goes back to is that, well, if you can have everybody live the values of the company, then you don't have to worry about smaller decisions. You you can really start figuring out together on really big rocks that you want to move. If you, you know, as, as, as in your way, you want to go take the company public. Now people have a North Star. Now people have a culture definition. Now people know how to communicate. And if they can communicate better, we can get decisions faster. If you can have high velocity decisions, we can move faster I feel like it's just phenomenal that you pull that together. I'm curious, how long did it take for you as you became the CEO to bring this idea of peak culture to for you and your leadership team to be comfortable then beyond your second level, third level leadership, because you obviously have a bigger company now. What was the process like and how long did it take? And I think we're we're not done with the process yet, you know, but it really, and I came back as CEO you know, it was in the, the the third quarter of last year. So I really, it's kind of taken me about six months to get to the point where now I have alignment with the leadership team. And the next phase, and we also wanted to align it with our rebrand, which, you know, like I said, Ryan, my CMO, he's been my close partner in this. But, and so we're really going to launch it the company. We have our kickoff, our fiscal year ends January 31. So we're going to fully launch it to the company, the new brand with the new peak culture nice. uh, at our February SCO. 
And, uh, and obviously, you know, there's already internal dialogue. I don't think people will be surprised at this point because we have, we've also had a, Ryan put together a team that's worked with him on the rebrand, the cross-functional yeah. team. So I think there's, you know, we have a, quite a number of people aware, but it's also gonna be exciting to do the full launch a kickoff with new brand, new culture. And uh, so I think all in all, you know, to the point where I came back as CEO, it'll be, you know, six months until we've got it fully rolled out with new brand. And one other interesting point, mentioned about us all learning from each other. Our CMO, Ryan, he was the head of corporate marketing at HubSpot. And part of the inspiration for going to a simpler munomic, and you described as exactly our goal, something that people can just remember. And he learned that partly from Brian at HubSpot. They define their culture as art. Yeah. Similar munomic where every letter means something. I think the H at HubSpot is humility. And I don't know what all their letters mean, but I think having a tool like that. And then I think we can also say is, hey, you know, are we... Are we, you know, are we really living at the peak? You know, it can also yeah. be a tool, like you said, for us to all reinforce the culture. And as a CEO, where you don't have to be in every meeting, right? And the culture can live on and decisions that get made. And that's where I think why we as entrepreneurs, I'm sure we all admire Bezos. And one of the things I admire about him the most is just his ability to still innovate. And like yeah. you over the holidays, right? And maybe we're sick people, we, but <laughs> I love it, right? Like, and that's why I'm building another company. I just love it. But even when I have free time, I do the same thing. Actually, I went to look at Jeff Bezos' last earnings call and earnings letter. And I don't even think he goes on the calls, but the, even the quarterly letter, I, I looked through it and it had you know, a couple paragraphs on the financials like everyone else. And then it had like five pages of bullets of new product innovations or new products they've launched. <laughs> and and that's what's just amazing to me, right? And the other concept, and that's the other thing now we're talking about scaling. And that's my fear and my team's fear. We just acquired this amazing company called Siftery. Yeah. And I was talking to their founder, Vamshi. Also a great entrepreneur, a great product builder, but you know, but he was and that's kind of his concern or his team's concern is okay, now we're joining G2. And to them this is big, right? They had, they only had 20 people. They all knew each other. They were cranking code every day, just innovating like crazy. And now all of a sudden they're like, whoa, we're part of this big 250 person global company, right? Are they gonna slow us down? And Bamshi said, you know, he said to his team, now he's obviously running the product team, or it's a product team now within our company, but but he said, no, we're going to accelerate, right? We're going to have the same culture. We're just going to have more resources to take it to market faster. And it's easily said, but hard to do. And that's where I think Amazon amazed me. Most big tech companies, let's take Oracle, right? They bought my first company, Big Machines. At some point, they stopped really innovating organically. And rather than building products, they buy them, which is fine. And they're very successful. But Amazon, I think, is unique in that, you know, companies of that scale, they, they invent AWS, they invent Alexa, they keep inventing new products. A lot of them fail, but a lot of them also get to massive success. And that's now as we scale. That's what Vamshi and I said, hey, how do we build that two pizza concept, right? So that that Siftery team, and ultimately we'll relaunch and rebrand the product under a G2 brand, but you know, but how do we keep them innovating the way they are and just give them the advantages of scale? And that's where I think Be- Bezos is a master where he can, you know, he still can innovate like a startup, but then he can bring products to market at an incredible scale, you know, using all the advantages of Amazon. And, and that's part of my dream for the next level of scale as we go from 250 a thousand people, we become a public company. How can we, you know, keep innovating even faster and just bring things to scale faster rather than getting bogged down you know, like many companies do in internal meetings and bureaucracy? And and so that'll be, I think, the interesting challenge for us now. But I think we're gonna be very conscious about it and and learning from people like Jeff Bezos, like Brian Halligan, Mark Benioff. You know, hopefully we can uh, we can do it. We can do it better. That is amazing, man. All right. So very quickly, just three big things. I took a bunch of notes as always, and I want you to share one challenge for everybody who's trying to scale 
and even maybe more about the culture if you're trying to rebrand and rebuild a culture? What is the one thing you want them to know? But for me, the big learnings is use brand as a weapon to scale, which I think is a very powerful statement. Um, one of our common friends, Tim Kopp, uh, yeah, it's, I love that using brand as a weapon to scale. Big, big idea right there. And then one of the examples where you used, like, how do you connect with the mission and, you know, home away from home where they got that this company got everybody, even from someone who's doing a cleaning person all the way to the chef, to the person who is the bellman, everybody's connected with this idea that we are creating something of purpose. We're giving a home to everybody who is not in their home. I think that is brilliant. Something to think about. What is the bigger purpose of your brand beyond revenue and numbers and stuff? And we have, we need to have something like that to connect. So I love that. And then finally, obviously, we, we talked about this, and I think I'm going to go go look more into it, this idea of creating this one word or one phrase, a very, very meaningful way of defining your culture so that everybody's aligned, everybody can say it when they see it's not working the same way, everybody can challenge it if it's not uh, not going in. And a lot of times we lose that and there are arguments, but if you have a very defined, simple repeatable, memorable, portable kind of culture, then you can use that language to always get back to the North Star that, that you really started off with. So with that, those are like just a few points of many things that, that I think I'll add to the show notes. But what is the one challenge, Goder, that you would like to give everybody who wants to either scale or build a new culture? I think it is really be conscious about your culture because it does define your brand. And, and I do agree 100% with Tim Cobb, right? Brand is a strategic weapon, but I think it only works if it's 100% aligned with your culture and your brand really reflects who you really are. And that's what great brands achieve. It's, it's real from the inside out. It starts with heart and the brand reflects the heart of the company. And, mm-hmm. and so I think the challenge to an entrepreneur is how do you make that happen, right? While, while hitting all those other goals, the revenue growth and all the things we have to deliver to our investors. And, and is it a challenge every day? But I think it's a really fun journey and glad to be on it with you, uh, Sangram, building, uh, you know, building companies. It's, I, I love talking to my, uh, my, my fellow entrepreneurs. I love it, man. This is, this is phenomenal. All the best. I'm going to be keep watching and keep supporting your journey to be a public company. And the next time in VR, God willing, you'll be, uh, you'll be a CEO of a public company. And that would be a fun conversation to have. Yes, let's, we'll, we'll make that happen. Look forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.